180. It's coming home, TJ. It's coming home. I got the wrong sport. This is uh, par for the course, which is a completely different sports metaphor again. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about? What we're talking about is what you're writing with. Oh, smooth segue. I am writing with a brand new pencil, nay, a fiercely new and exciting pencil. It is the Nero's Notes 2.5 Firm, uh, which is a beautiful new pencil that arrived on my doorstep this afternoon. It's grey, black imprint, black ferrule, white eraser, full hex, might I note, no rounding, uh, and it's gorgeous. So thank you to Claire, who sent them across, and thank you to you, who presumably designed, paid for, and, and uh, allowed that to happen. Well, I wish. So <laughs> the, the design process was fairly straightforward. Um, I, I got onto uh, the, the pencils made by Musgrave, and they, they have a, a tool for creating your sort of customized pencils. Ooh. So I, I went on and you know experimented a little bit, chose a color, a ferrule, a razor, imprint, font and then sort of said to claire so so what do you think and, and she said yeah it's great uh, and changed every single element it's great except for the color the font the ferrule the eraser and the words that you used but apart from that it was great <laughs> this and is a so, ship of theseus type of pencil where you design something and then every single component was changed but you're still proud yeah, to put your name on it absolutely all all for the better i'd say um <laughs> it is so, gorgeous yes, well, um, you, you've got them before I have, so I haven't seen one in the flesh yet. Um, they are on sale as of the date of recording, so by the time people are listening, mm. may have sold out, who knows. Show notes, show notes, um, show notes. get yours now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, when, when did I get the idea? Oh, Brad did it. Brad, the pen addict, pen addict um, made some. I thought, well, if, if Brad can do it, surely I can. <laughs> so um, in... Uh, in American parlance, I reached out, and um, uh, yeah, well, there we go. It was all, all fantastically excellent. The other thing I would say to you, um, and to other pen, pencil, I'll try and speak English eventually. Pencil aficionados mm -hmm. out there, see, I can do it. Um, we we got a whole load of Musgrave stock in, so we've got um, the one that would particularly interest you would be the variety pack. So it comes in a sort of pencil-shaped box. The yellow one? The yellow yeah. tube? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've also got the Harvest Pros in wooden boxes. We've got Tennessee Reds oh. in wooden boxes. We've got a box that contains some Tennessee Red and some Harvest Pros. We have all of the gear. Lots of That's Musgrave. some of the idea. Yeah, well... Uh, I think the idea is Musgrave make really good pencils. Let's buy them, ship them, and then sell them to people. Um, Excellent. Not rocket science, really. Um, but whilst all you people are playing with pencils, I, of course, I'm using a fountain pen. And <laughs> I, I've got a really nice one, actually. It's a Pilot Custom 823, um, which is a demonstrator. Which it means it's um, you can see it, so you can see the ink inside ah, the pen. You can see where it's going to leak from all of your hands. You're like, ah, uh, that'll be on uh, my shirt soon. I'll tell you what, I didn't even set you up for that. But uh, <laughs> the Pilot Custom Eight Two Three is a vacuum filler, and so what that means is that you unscrew the end. It just unscrews a little bit to release the vacuum, 
and then you've got a sort of pumping action. Yeah. What it means that when you're um, just writing with the pen, you have to unscrew that or else the pen will dry up. Um, oh, right. Yes, but what it means to breathe. Yeah, but what it also means is that um, if it does do any leaking, it won't do a lot of it because there's only a tiny amount that's sort of available. Okay. Um, uh, they're, they're wonderful pens. They're, they're Japanese, obviously, pilots. Um, I've got a broad, which is a Japanese broad. is like a European medium to a certain extent. Uh, a 14 uh, carat. Oh, look at that. I've got a 14 carat golf nib uh, in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed that was some sort of sports term I was unaware of. Like, yeah, he's going to yep. take this shot with a wedge in the 14 carat golf nib uh, right <laughs> onto the fairway. And it's that sounds 100%. Yeah, well, indeed. Um, some people call it a gold nib, but there you are. That's, that's people for you. Um, but no, it's a really, really smooth writer. And I've got some some um, music ink. So I have a music set by Diamine where each ink is named after a famous composer. And this is Bach. Um, and it's a very nice sort of brown, a sort of ambery, really, to go mm. with the ambery pen. It's all very exciting. It's all very matching. Uh, and I'm writing in, in the, the new show notes book, or this is Podcasting 3, as I've very grandly titled it, which is my um, my signature field notes. So there you are. Very good. What have you been watching, TJ? What did I watch? I watched a film last night in the cinema with my wife, which was lovely. So we went to see Freaky, which is... Uh, it's made by Blumhouse, which is sort of a horror movie studio. And one of the things that they do is they kind of take interesting films that already exist and give them a horror twist. So they did it before with um, Groundhog Day. So they made a movie where it was about Groundhog Day, but every time she got murdered, she kind of re- you know woke up in back in, in her bed at the start of the day. Um, I can't remember. It was like Happy Death Day or something, I think it was called. Um, Blumhouse also make the Purge movies. So they're, they're very good at horror movies and sort of social commentary and things like that. And so they made that one Happy Death Day, and I think there was a sequel to that, which was kind of Groundhog Day, but scary. And then we went to see this one, which is called Freaky, which is effectively Freaky Friday, sort of a body switch movie, but uh, scary. So it's a body switch with a serial killer. Um, and it was it was really good. And I was actually quite surprised. I was talking to our friend today about it, and I said, yeah, it's pretty great. You should go and see it. And he says, yeah, I'm just not sure my wife would enjoy it. And I said, well... Funny you should say that Meg suggested it to me and I was quite surprised because I know who makes the film. I know what kind of film it's, it's going to be. And it's, I think Meg thought it was going to be a comedy horror uh, and she swiftly realized it was a horror comedy whenever the first teen was gruesomely murdered on screen. She went, oh, oh, I've got the order of these mixed up. It's it's a horror movie with comedy, not a comedy movie with horror. I have... I have made a grave error. And so she sat through the rest of the movie kind of squinting from behind the popcorn. But um, <laughs> it was really good. We both really enjoyed it. It was nice to be back in the cinema. I think there was a grand total of five people and we were two of them. And the other three people were lost in the abyss of chairs behind us. We never saw them again. But um, okay, it was good. It was good to be back in the cinema. And it was uh, a pretty decent film. It kind of ambled along and did what it set out to do in quite an interesting way. There's a couple of points where I thought that's nicely written. That's nicely choreographed that's come together well and uh yeah no major complaints about it and i i I enjoyed what they did with what is arguably quite a simple premise you know take a a, a, a trope that people know and make it spooky and that's kind of a a good source for a film 
Fantastic. Well, well done for getting to the cinema. That must be quite, quite mm. exciting. Good Lord. Um, what have I been watching? Well, uh, sports ball. That's what I've written. Um, various and sundry sports balls. There's a, there's a whole range of them to choose from at the moment. It's that time of year. So uh, there's been Wimbles. What? Mm-hmm. 15 love. 30 love. But, you know, all that. Juice. Juice. Uh, at which point nobody goes for a drink, which is odd. Um, cordial. <laughs> yes, it's cordial. Pim, pims for everyone. Um, <laughs> so there's been a bit of that. Uh, a, a bit of golf. Obviously, I try and watch golf when I can. Oh, you uh, mean uh, fourteen carat, four to fourteen carat carat golf nibs? Yes, <laughs> um, and uh, of course a bit of football, which, mm. as you know, TJ is coming home. Is, is football on at the minute? Is there any is there any football happening right now? Is it a popular time for football? It appears to be. My mother is in that exasperated state of I've got two hundred and forty six channels, and all two hundred and forty six of them are showing football. I took a screenshot this morning to send you a BBC News. I was trying to get the COVID. We'll, we'll talk about this later. Basically, yes, that that I kind of had to scroll and then keep scrolling and keep scrolling before I stopped seeing little white and black balls on the, the screen and I actually started seeing news. <laughs> yeah, it it is that time of well, I suppose the year, the decade, whatever you, whatever. I'm sure we'll get to it. What what about <laughs> listening? Tell me, you've been listening to something interesting. Yeah, I was on the train today in work. Not in work, but to work. And uh, I listened to my Dragon Friends podcast. I'm coming to the end of season two, which is great. Uh, really enjoying that. And then, uh, is it Maisie? What's her name? Is it Maisie Williams I told you to listen to? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I listened to her on the way home. And she's a great song called John Hughes Movie. I don't know if you've heard that one. No. Uh, so look that one up. That's a good I'm going to write it down again. Yeah, John Hughes movie by Maisie Williams. Uh, it's well written, fun, and just really catchy. Really, really well done. So we listened to that on the walk home and really enjoyed it. Excellent. Uh, well, I've been listening to um, well Justin Twyford's playlists, which mm-hmm. I've spoken about before. Um, I've clearly got into the whole sort of just not thinking and letting somebody else do all the thinking. Um, so I find other people's playlists to follow, I think. Um, and the other day I experimented and I just asked the lady in a tube, the Apple one, uh, to play some music. Um, and yeah, there was all sorts of good stuff came out. So I'm reasonably pleased with that. The algorithm is clearly doing its magic. Uh, and yeah, podcasts, but not as many. Um, I've decided that when I go walking, which I do every morning with dogs, um, not to listen to anything. I'm, I'm sort of letting nature in. Um, because mm. I think sometimes when I sort of get a little bit obsessive about podcasts, I kind of forget that I'm out in nature and that I'm walking and my mind isn't allowed to wonder quite as much when it's listening to a podcast. Whereas um, when I'm just out with the dog, A, I think I'm more connected to the dogs, which is nice. Uh, and B, I think my mind goes off into all sorts of different places and thinks about things. And um, I, I think it's a good practice. I recommend it. If you if you haven't tried it, let yourself get a little bit bored. Mm. What about reading? You reading anything good? Uh, what was I reading? Yeah, I'm just reading more of the R. Haywood book mm-hmm. that I was reading last time, uh, L for a Drop. Uh, that's good. I haven't made a lot of time for reading recently, which I need to change, but... I've got a week off next week, so I'm thinking, new garden, week off, 
book in the middle. I can see oh. a sandwich of, of enjoyment somewhere here. So I'm going to try and put those three ingredients together and make something pleasant. Well, I'm sure there'll be lots of gardening type stuff that will require doing, doesn't it? I mean, don't you have to? <laughs> yeah, there's there's about two miles of fence needs painted and repainted. Yeah. Oh. So that's what next week's for. So, yay. <laughs> mm, well, yeah, I've got uh, a lot more than two miles worth. Um, a huge <laughs> yes, amount of fence to do, which I'm, yeah, we're not talking about that. I <laughs> uh, installed solar lights in our garden. And it was only six of them. And I went, oh, that looks good. That was nice. And then immediately thought of your driveway. I went, that's why we're doing solar lights. So I installed them once and never touched them again, rather than stews, <laughs> where it's just what seems like an airport runway of <laughs> lights to maintain and manage. Uh, yeah, well, the, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still waiting for um, HomeKit-enabled switches to be available in Cyprus so that I can automate all of that stuff um, and put controls on the phones and stuff so that we can so I can lie there in bed and go I forgot to turn them off again um, <laughs> but yeah there's there's a whole oh, there's a whole range of garden work that I have to do but I'll, I'll come to that um, what have I been reading oh I read Lee Child uh, Past Tense which is a Jack Reacher novel um, and I'm now reading uh, this new new thing well it's not that new actually but James Patterson I'm sure you've come across yeah he he doesn't really bother writing books anymore. Um, he he co-writes um, with sort of various up and comings. So I, I think you sort of apply to be a, a James Patterson writer, and and he sort of takes your stuff and slaps it into his formula, um, and and out comes a book. So that allows him to publish one every twenty minutes or something. Um, Did he not do one with, one with Bill Clinton about something presidential? To make that up, uh, he may have. I don't I think know. There's a, I think there's a book about, or in you know, sort of the story manages and talks about being president or presidenty things. I remember seeing it advertised. Maybe I'm completely wrong on that, but I think it was James Patterson and uh, yeah, I, it, it would be his sort of gig. I think um, it's a bit like McDonald's. So you know, regardless of of what's on the cover or what the title is, you kind of know what it is, what it's going to taste like. Um, and there's a there's a weird satisfaction to it, even if it's not necessarily the most nutritious of meals. Um, that's that's kind of how I see Lee mm. Child and James Patterson these days. I, I kind of know what the books are going to be about. But um, that's 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 like watching a film that you think this is not like I would I would argue films like Fast and the Furious are very similar to this. Um, yeah. it's it's nutritionally light. Let's say that. But you're there for the pretty lights and the explosions, or in the case of the book, you're there for the the story and the people yeah. and the places, you know? It doesn't have to be Mozart. It doesn't have to be, you know, <laughs> Shakespeare. It's trying to be entertaining. And I think the reason why you see so many of them in airports is because people want escapism, especially mm-hmm. when you're escaping. So if you're on a plane, which some of us are, but most of us are not, it's nice to pick up a book like that and go, I want something that does X, Y, and Z. And they go, well, here you go. This does X, Y, and Z. And so do all of these. Pick anyone you like. It's got largely irrelevant which you pick. You'll enjoy them. Yeah, I think there's, for sure. There's something to be said. And it's an interest. I'm sure it's been talked about before, but there's a. I think there's a point whenever you become a very successful author where they start printing your name bigger than the title. And so yeah. it's kind of just like Lee Child book. It doesn't really matter what it is, just buy it. It's not the same as, it's a new one, you haven't read it. It's almost irrelevant what the title is because it's this author's book. Well, and the other thing is, if you have read it, you've probably forgotten anyway. 
Yeah. This is like the one. Is this the one in Siberia or is this the one with the police person? Or That doesn't yeah, matter. I, really. We know with Lee Child, it's going to be Jack Reacher. He's going to be doling out righteous justice left, right and centre. Um, <laughs> and he's going to be talking you through his fighting technique as he does it. I mean, the, you know, the, the same in all the books. Um, but no, it's... I have to say, you're absolutely spot on. It was really good fun. Really enjoyed reading them. Got through them quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of given me a bit of reading momentum now, which I'll, I'll probably run it into some non-fiction <laughs> and sort of just collapse in a heap somewhere. But... <laughs> just pick up a good old thick textbook. Yes. Uh, we'll talk, we'll talk about pricing. Yes, the science of pricing. <laughs> let's not. Let's really not. Um what about drinking, TJ? Have you been drinking anything good? Oh, have I been drinking anything good? I had about five coffees yesterday. Does that count? Uh, I assume you haven't been been to sleep since. <laughs> I I have, but I two coffee things. I had about five yesterday. I've had one today, and I'm feeling that differential quite a lot. So I'm probably going to have another one. I see it's getting late, and the reason I say it's getting late because I was out meeting a friend, and we sat down, and I had an americano at about seven p.m. and I thought I was a young, fit person i you know i, I joke and i say i'm you know, oh, middle-aged and approaching 30 hours i i was under the vague impression that i was still a young person and then i had a, an americano at seven and did not sleep until 4 a.m i thought oh <laughs> i have literally drunk coffee in bed when i was in university and been fine and now it's like well this is where it starts this is where your <laughs> tolerance of of like your your own physical body is just going downhill like too much caffeine you'll sleep all night not enough caffeine you'll never get out of bed just just this is the start of the you know the roller coaster when it gets to the top and just pitches over and there's that moment before the downward that's where we are <laughs> oh there are so many episodes waiting to be spoken about because <laughs> if you think that's bad oh good <laughs> what you have before you young man um, I was I was playing golf the other day with uh, Abu, who's a seventy six year old Russian, mm-hmm. and he um, he played professional ice hockey in Finland for for much of his life, uh, and as a consequence, he's got uh, what you'd call in golf fast hands. So he doesn't appear to actually swing the club very much, um, but when he makes contact with the ball, it shoots off like a scolded cat. <laughs> It's, it's been put in a particle accelerator type thing. Yeah, it, it's like it, it's a slap shot, pretty much. It's, it's the golfing version of a slap shot. So he's it going. Goes, that's a that's a puck, and this is going to be launched into a net. Go. Yeah, and it goes off. It, honestly, it goes off like a missile. And I look at him, thinking, "I'm 25 years your your junior. I can't get anywhere near that." Um, but uh, whenever I see him, I'm Abu. How are you? He's like, well. You know, the knee hurts and the arm hurts. and But, you know, if you're mid-70s and you wake up and nothing's hurting, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Abu, thank you very much. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again when we'll have the same conversation next week. Uh, it's, you know, <laughs> it's a bit like a beachhide novel, you know, you know what you're going to get. Well, they're teaching you the conversations that we can have in 25 years, so that's good <laughs> that we're we're just carrying that torch. Oh, exactly. I mean, all the things that we've got to cover. I mean, we've got bladder capacity. I mean, oh, honestly. Um, I think I'm related to a small squirrel when it comes to bladder capacity. Um, judge golf clubs now by the uh, by the amount of lavatories that they have around the course. Oh, dear, oh, dear. 
Uh, well, what have I been drinking? Mm, well, yesterday, because um, it's coming home, it's coming home, um, <laughs> I uh, I joined in the tradition and drank my own body weight in beer. Uh, seemed, seemed the right thing to do. <laughs> it's beer uh, at this stage. Well, exactly. I mean, I had, I, I was sorely tempted to take uh, Carlsberg uh, to the to the game because it was, after all, Denmark that were playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I thought that might be interpreted as a, a sort of anti-patriotic because on the other <laughs> side of the field were, were Ingerland, who I believe are something to do with the United Kingdom. So, um, yeah, Keo beer. Um, and then I think I may have had a, a, a valedictory brandy or two towards the end of the evening. Mm, yes, something like that. Uh, so tonight I'm being very abstemious because obviously I'm talking to you and then um, I'm getting up at stupid o'clock to go play golf tomorrow. Mm. Lucky old me. What about buying? Have you been buying anything good? Have I been buying anything? That's a good question. I bought a lawnmower. Um, <gasps> that, was, that was exciting. And now I have a lawn to mow, so I needed a lawnmower to you know, ensure that happened. Just, so, just, just checking. This isn't yeah. a sort of Massey Ferguson sort of. No, sadly not. Anything. No, no, no. This right. is not agricultural equipment. This was bought in. Uh, I think it was Screwfix. We got it in the end. Okay. Um, it's just a simple electric plug-in lawnmower. It's not complicated. It's not fancy. Um, by the way, the um, the Nero's Notes pencils match perfectly with the little grey Fergie tractor that I want. It's the perfect tone because I actually have, I have, I bought a spotlight. It's called a ply light that you put on the back of it. So I bought one sort of to start my tractor journey. Um, so I have the light, uh, but this matches perfectly. So uh, there you go. Just so you know. Well, perhaps Claire was inspired by it. There you go. Yeah, I like it. But um, buying, I got lost in the weeds. Yeah, I bought a lawnmower there. That was a nice segue from weeds to lawnmower. Uh <laughs> the lawnmower is great it was uh, cheap and cheerful just an electric one because I went and looked at a, at a bunch and I may well get a nice one sometime in the future but it started into the okay well what's the square footage okay well you need this and you can do this and you can do this and there's some really expensive lawnmowers out there I'm not even getting into the, the city on ones where you, you know, you're driving around a small car I'm mm-hmm. talking about just petrol pushing ones there's some you yeah. know, 300 plus is your starting bracket and I'm thinking mm-hmm. That's a lot of money for the, and I don't, I don't begrudge it because we paid money for the garden, right? And I want to keep it nice, but a petrol engine is so much more hassle to me than a, an electric motor because I can make the electric motor go and I would be struggling with a petrol engine to make sure I serviced it properly. So it's kind of a, we'll see this one. I could, I could buy three or four of the lawnmowers that I bought before I buy a 400 pound lawnmower. So mm-hmm. I'll try one, and if it's a complete disaster, I'll buy a good one. But for now, it'll do until oh, I get I the, the lawn. I look forward to talking next month about uh, your new petrol mower. <laughs> yes. Well, this one this one should be grand. I've used I've used ones like it before, and uh-huh. this one looks all right. It's got good reviews, but and I'm, I'm happy stripes. that it's... Oh, the stripes are not at the minute, and that's just from the turf rolls that they used, but... I know, that's and, and you're going to lose those now because <sighs> you've essentially got a hairdryer with a blade. <laughs> Well, I might get. I might build a roller. That's that's the start of this this uh, old person grass mowing adventure that yeah, I'm going to take on. It, you see, and eventually you go. Oh, look at this mower! It's petrol driven. Oh, it's got a drive, so actually it'll pull me along, and it will make the stripes for me. Oh, and it's it's a very reasonable five hundred and eighty pounds plus sixty pounds a year. Yeah. Service, 
Yeah, I, the lawnmower that I bought, I thought this is a reasonable size because we don't have a, we only have a shed, we don't have a garage, right? Like this mm-hmm. is a reasonable size mower. This should work grand. And then I looked at the the sort of square meterage that it, it should be able to be, you know, to cover the, the sort Except of the four oh, postage we, stamps. <laughs> no, no, no. We have we have seventy square meters, right? I don't know what yep. that is in square feet. Ask your your uh, Google Assistant of of choice. And this was like. You know, we'll easily do five hundred meters squared. I'm like, oh, okay, we should be fine <laughs> with less than a fifth. Oh, it should be, it should work. <laughs> oh, that'll be fun, I'm sure. Um, so nothing else, just just mowers. Ah, uh, just the mower, and then I bought shelves for the utility room, oh. which uh, Megan's dad actually put up for us. I had a I had a moment of DIY weakness. Uh, where I went, I can put up shelves. Shelves are fine. I've put up loads of stuff in this house. Shelves are no problem. That's that's grand. I'll do that. After unsuccessfully putting four holes in my wall, I went, I cannot put up this shelf. Please call in your father and he will fix it for me because he has many more tools and experience than I do. And uh, I was in work today and he came up. And I don't mean this in a nasty way, but I was glad to see that he had almost as much trouble as I did because it meant that I wasn't just being crap. So, slightly dodgy walls, dodgy walls you've got there, Cosgrove. <laughs> well, I think the the drill bit just kept snapping into the brick. It was like, oh, because the reason I did it with my drills, I just had little Ryobi like battery drills, and I was like, no, we need an SDS drill to properly get through this to do it properly. Uh, and Megan's dad had one, so he brought that over and did that, and it broke one of his drill bits, and then one of the brackets broke, and then he had to change the way he was mine. Like three or four things went wrong, and I was like, oh, it's okay. Wasn't just me. That's fine. They're just horrible shelves. I feel I haven't better. lost my touch. <laughs> so we bought those and they're up now. So it looks really nice in the utility room. It finally feels like it's it's edging towards finished. So lots of stuff like that where we're just getting little like incremental improvements in places, you know? Yeah, right. Very good. Well, uh, what did I buy? I bought all the Musgrave. Um, yes, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, Musgrave, I'll have all of it. Thanks very much. Um, so you can get all of that at Nero's. Uh I think I mentioned this last week, but the the Zen Asus um, your mesh network, wife, yeah, Wi-Fi six mesh network thing. Um, I I I plugged it in and it all worked. I was mm-hmm. remarkably painless. Uh, I haven't bought it as yet, but there is currently being trialed in the in the Lennon house. There's a rather large television. Which how, how does one trial a television without purchasing it? Well, because the the plan is that we're going to have outdoor TV viewing. So mm-hmm. uh, for evenings such as this one where um, it's dark, it's half past eight, um, but it's also pretty damn toasty, um, we can sit outside and, and watch some TV. And lots of people I know went, oh, yeah, it's great, oh, you love that. Mm. And my thinking, and this would be, I suppose, fairly standard, Cosgrove would go for this as well, is right. I'm now going to buy my dream TV for the living room mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and move the living room TV to the outdoor TV. Yeah, that was that, my that my tracks. coming plan. Um, and now the the dream sort of living room TV is uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Huge. Um, so <laughs> a structural was, wall that uh, that shows you football. The plan was going to be sort of go in there and say, "What's the biggest you've got?" and and sort of start double there. it. <laughs> yeah, um, but Mrs. L is a little bit. It's, it's my dog having a drink. All right, Charlie, carry on. Good lad. Um, she's a bit sort of reluctant on the size thing, and so a neighbour went, 
Well, I've got a 55 inch one in the spare bedroom that we don't use. Why don't you, ah. why don't you have a look at that? You can, you can have that for 100 euros. And I went, I'll tell you what, mate, I'll keep my 100 euros, but I'll try your telly. So the, the TV is now outside, sort of showing what a 55 inch TV would look like outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's on Saturday, um, I need a team of Sherpas to help me move it because it's quite an old TV. So it weighs a lot. Um, we're going to put it inside and put the, the little one outside. And it, it appears to be working. The current Mrs. L is coming <laughs> over to the idea of a large TV. So is this a 55-inch diagonal screen as well as a 55-inch depth? Like, is it a proper old CRT job? No, not that old. It's um, it's a Panasonic Viera, but it appears to be sort of lead-lined. <laughs> it's a yeah. proper, proper lumber metal. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's fine. Um, it, it's high def in terms of what high def used to mean. I think it's three sixty p or something. Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to think it's maybe a little better than that, but not quite what I'm looking for. Um, so the next battle will then be when I go. Yep, look at this, darling. Eight hundred and fifty euros, fantastic deal. And she's going to go. What in comparison to the hundred euros you could give Bob? <laughs> but see, the difference is you, you just 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 don't show the price. I mean, yeah, this is um, the one we're getting. Does it look okay? <laughs> mm, yeah, but I think she might be wise to that one. <laughs> Apple Kit, I think she's just given up looking. But uh, anything else? Is there any way to obfuscate by you know you you're you know foreign exchange? What's the most obscure currency that the exchange rate is hard to do? <laughs> well, it's uh, nineteen thousand five hundred and sixty-five pesos. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I met her in the FX business. So she knows her way around it as well. Um, oh, is that but, uh, Armenian pesos or uh, Mexican pesos? Yeah, Which exactly? She'll, she'll turn around and go. Oh, that's funny. I was checking the rates only yesterday. Um, so yeah, the, the sort of big big TV plans are afoot, mm. and because of that will also obviously mean oh well, I need to get a new Apple TV and I'll need to get a new. Um, whatever little box it is we're using to drive all the other TV channels and all that stuff. And so it's, it's the domino effect. One decision <laughs> creates about seven others, all of which yes. cost money. Yeah. Um, but that'd be nice. That'd be exciting. I, I imagine by the end of the summer, uh, when it's time to come indoors again, we'll probably have a nice outdoor setup. But, <laughs> ah, um, good. That can be ignored till next summer and I. Yeah, exactly. Um, there are, what, what else is there? There are sort of comfy seats, um, you know, uh, faux faux wicker, if you like. Yeah, plastic wicker. Yeah, plastic wicker with some nice cushions, armchairs, sofas coming from that area. The the outdoor dining table is being moved uh, and it's going under a um, a sail. So um, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. not a real sail, but just a bit of canvas over a frame. And I've yeah, seen those before. They look lovely. Yeah, there's a there's a whole lot of stuff going on there. Um, uh, which of course all cost money and I just started battling with the garden because of a, an escape attempt but I'll probably come to him later um, what about quoting have you got a quote for today TJ I have several did you see that ludicrous display last night yes the trouble with Arsenal is they always try to walk it in oh yeah, what, yeah I've heard that one Yeah. what was Wenger thinking uh, sending Walcott on that early <laughs> that's all I got. It's just that's a, that's a, <laughs> well, um, 
here's one for you that that um, I, I advise you have a look at this man's quotes. Okay, uh, Brian Clough. His full name is Brian Howard Clough. Uh, he was the manager of Nottingham Forest, who, back before you were born, won uh, two European Cups in a row. And he's a very, very forthright fellow, uh, Brian Clough. Um, uh, I, I, one of my favourites from him was, uh, I was in bed with the wife the other day and she said, God, your feet are cold. And I replied, you can call me Brian in bed, darling. Um, he, he was quite, <laughs> quite an egotistical chap, but he came out with his players lose your games, not tactics. There's so much crap talked about tactics by people who barely know how to win at dominoes. There you are. It's a game of two halves. It'd be as sick as a parrot. Um, I don't think we need to say anything else about quotes. What about parish notices? Well, uh, not much. The garden's great. I'm enjoying it. Um, it's very, very warm here. It's kind of uh, like a horrible, muggy kind of heat. So it's 23 in the house right now, but it's uh -huh. just kind of grey. Uh, so it's just warm without any benefit of sunshine. Um, and I imagine there's a lot of people far worse than we are, so I'm saying that with a pinch of salt. But um, I've been running the fan to try and cool the house down. Uh, but I'm hoping to get out into the garden and just make the most of it because, you know, get out, actually enjoy the, the outside space that we have um, and not have to be wrapped up in 16 layers in a inside a tent to, to not freeze. So, mm, Yeah, for sure. It will soon pass. Uh, we're, we're, well, it's July, it's Cyprus, it's hot. Um, mm. So we're at about 30 degrees at the moment. It's what, quarter to nine at night. Um, so I think if we're lucky, we'll, we'll get down to 22, 23 overnight, which is a wee bit warm for sleeping, you can. Um, we've just, um, just a few days ago, we had some horrific fires, mm. um, sort of bushfires here. Uh, 55 square kilometres, which in Jeez. miles is a lot. Um, sort of 10 villages, uh, 50 houses were burnt down um and four people tragically lost Jeez. their lives um because a 67 year old farmer thought it was a good time to burn the stubble off his field when it's really really hot here which is fairly predictable eastern mediterranean island that sort of you know starts getting quite warm in may gets hotter and hotter and hotter until about december i mean it's not rocket science um but every year in July we have fires. And the reason we have fires in July is because everything is dried out and because the wind picks up and because human beings are essentially stupid. Uh, mm. that, that, there's talk that this guy is now going to be prosecuted for manslaughter, which would be a great step forward because what tends to happen is that they arrest whoever it is that's done something stupid and then essentially just let them off, um, which is not a great sort of disincentive. But hopefully, hopefully, hopefully something will happen this time and people will start taking it seriously because... Scary stuff. It's terrifying. If if you, um, you know, we were quite a long way from the fires, but you can you can go out onto your balcony and you can smell it. Yeah, because I, I texted you because I'd seen the news and went, hmm. I know where Stu is. I don't, well, I know where you are broadly, but yeah. I don't know where, <laughs> where this is broadly. So are you okay? But um, no, that's... It's scary, scary stuff. 
And I mean, there's not a lot you can do. It's one of those force of nature things where if it takes hold and goes, there's a lot of stuff you can try. Um, and firefighters will certainly do that. But you get some say in it, but not an awful lot. And so if it decides mm. to take off and go, get out of the way, basically. Oh, uh, um, it awakes primal things in you. The, yeah. the smell of fire coming. Yeah, believe me, once you smell it, once you recognize it. Um, because there is ultimately very, very little that they can do. If, if the wind is coming your way yeah, and the fire is raging, then, you know, with the greatest respect to these firefighters who are incredibly brave, putting a line of 10 people with a hose uh, between a raging bushfire and your house, is, is the fire is going to win. Yeah. Um, sorry, bizarre sound i think one of my dogs is having a sneezing fit oh. <laughs> Just, i'll leave it in i'll leave it in the editor won't mind <laughs> um so yeah that was very very scary but mm. um touch wood for us um we've been okay um the <laughs> it makes you look at your garden or it makes me look at my garden a bit more critically so we have um at the back of our house we have um old dry stone walls mm -hmm. so made by shepherds traditionally and then atop those we have a sort of mesh fence uh, not put up by us but we're bordered by um, vineyards and there are trees and bushes and there's sort of a bit of an overgrownness to, the, to that sort of the back corners mm -hmm. and the corners i think over the last 20 years have been gradually encroaching and you look at it and you go if that caught fire um yeah because the rest of our garden is quite disciplined you know that there are trees and things but they're sort of visibly there's a tree there's space around it um so we've we've started attacking that partly because charlie uses the <laughs> the the fearless jack russell he's found a way of getting on top of the natural stone wall oh, and no. then he <laughs> literally walks along the wall into a bush which is some sort of portal to another world. And um, yesterday, um, I lost him for an hour. Oh, no, he went off to Narnia. <laughs> yeah, he went off. Um, and oh. I did what all good dog owners do and just panicked. And so I went charging down into the village towards where I knew there were dogs. Yeah. Um, and those dogs were all sleeping. So I thought, well, okay, well, he hasn't been this way. And then I charged up to the top of the village where I know there's a new puppy who was also sleeping and he's not been this way. Eventually I thought, hmm. So I went back to where I'd last seen him on this natural stone wall and kept calling him and used that magic word, treat. Both <laughs> yeah. um, Mixed messages, like every time I break out, I get treats. This is a really yeah. strange correlation. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he, he got treats and very nearly drowned. But um, <laughs> I love you, stupid dog. <laughs> yes, he came back. And I swear to you, this is no exaggeration. He was about 75% burr. Oh, no, um, just everything stuck to him? Grass seeds, spiky things, sticky things. It changed colour. <laughs> and he actually <laughs> had that look in his eyes going, I'm not entirely sure what's going on here, but I really don't like it very much. <laughs> Deal with I, it. I have made a mistake, Father. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, so there was a wire brush and an hour's work just trying to get this oh, stuff no. out. Oh, no. Unbelievable. Um, so that sort of prompted me to get even more serious about sorting out these bushes. Mm -hmm. um, and then realising quite what a task I'd taken on. You need a perspective. 
It's a tricky thing. You look at it from 30 meters away and you go, oh, it's just that little corner. These are small and those are far away, Ted. <laughs> yes, and as you get closer, <laughs> I mean, I, I approached boldly with my secateurs in hand and then went, oh, I'm going to need a saw. <laughs> this is like me going out to the garden with a pair of like um, nail scissors and going, this will work. Snip. Yeah, kind Snip. of. This Snip. is like going into the Amazon jungle with a penknife. It's, oh, dear. <laughs> Um, so there's a lot of that going on and then it all, you know, I sort of throw it over the fence and I have to go and pay the, the village authorities to come and collect it all and take it away and put it somewhere sensible lest it become a fire hazard, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, so it's one of those jobs. It's like, oh, I'm not sure I should have started this in the middle of July. Mm. Well, never mind. Um, but in good news, the oven appears to work. Good. Oven gate appears to be resolved. The last little thing that I have to do um, is I've got to demount it again. Um, because the de- well, the demounting and remounting has caused so much sort of degradation of the chipboard that it's found its own natural level in the slot, and that natural level is not to the liking of Mrs. Lennon. So <laughs> I'm going to pull it out and use, uh, you'll know this, this sort of thing you'll know, or at least your father-in-law would know, and I'm going to put... Um, Toothpicks into yeah. the holes. Yeah. Toothpicks to try and, and wood get glue. The screws. Yeah. Well, I don't know about wood glue. <laughs> Just don't get carried away. Um, <laughs> and and try and and try and get the thing to sit on a level um, that satisfies Mrs. Lennon's desires in these these areas. Uh, and then hopefully it all will be fine. But it did Never it did it bake me a croissant the other day, and it was ah, lovely. Very good. Well, if it can handle a croissant, what can't it handle? Well, exactly. And there we go. That sort of mild tangent into into my garden woes has taken us well to taken us time to, time for Gerald. Mm. Take it away, my man. This is the three pin plug. Hi, I've decided to mix it up a little. I'm feeling like exercising my creative license. How do you like my range of accents? The first pin is Stuart Lennon. You can buy his collection of reasonably priced notebooks and stationery supplies at Nero's Notes. You can read his writings on writing at stuartlennon.com. If you want to see photos of his dogs, Spice and Charlie, you can follow him on Instagram at stuart.lennon587. The second pin is TJ Cosgrove. He created Wood and Graphite, a collection of over 150 short films on pencils, paper and other collected analog ephemera. You can watch it on YouTube, by searching wood and graphite. If you like looking at photos of coffee, keyboards and a black Labrador called Blue, you can follow him on Instagram at team underscore Cosgrove. The third pin in the three pin plug is this show, 1857. You can support the show by leaving a review on iTunes, or the podcatcher of your choice. The efficacy of which is debatable. Or by sharing with someone you think would enjoy it. Perhaps even nip over to nerosnote.co.uk and pick up a few lovely notebooks or fancy pencils, it all helps to cover the cost of hosting. The three-pin plug is brought to you by me, Gerald, a totally normal human being. Definitely real and corporeal, for sure. Thanks for listening, back to the show. Uh, There's no doubt, there's no doubt he's born for the role. It's made for it, you could say. (laughs) Constructed carefully. (laughs) 
What do I mean carefully? <laughs> what are we talking about today, TJ? Well, somehow, somehow, after 180 episodes, you managed to make me talk about football, a sport that I have no interest in and even less experience of. So, football, or as I've called this episode, bluffball, because I'm going to try and pretend I know what I'm talking about. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's topical, right? Football is in the news, if you hadn't noticed. If you live, I think... Well, by the time this goes out, no, it's not topical. Well, yeah, well... It's finished, it's, it's all well, over. Well, it, it might be very topical because once, if they win, presumably that'll be the only thing people talk about for the next 66 years. <laughs> well, it, TJ, by the time this goes out, then football has either come home or gone to Rome. <laughs> home or Rome, you decide. Exactly. Or, or some, some that I'm told skill decides. Although Tactics. I mean, Brian said it was tactics. <laughs> My mate Brian... <laughs> Well, the, the, this may be controversial, may not be. I'm, I'm not terribly knowledgeable about football, but I, I, as a kid, I was quite sporty and I quite liked um, the concept of football. And then I discovered um, other games, all the other games, uh, and realised that, <laughs> that actually I preferred all of them to football. But um, having watched both semi-finals, so that was uh, Spain against Italy and England against Denmark, uh, England won and Italy won. But in both cases, I thought the other team could have made a really good case for why they should have won um, in terms of performance. Um, and so sort of, you know, the best team lost twice, which seems a bit odd. I'm, I'm not a big football fan, TJ. I, 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 <laughs> I, I know bits about it. Um, and I'm reasonably objective um, I wrote a blog post about this today. I used to be um, an ABE, um, which is uh, <laughs> anybody but England. And every Celt listening to this podcast is nodding, going, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah the, the temptation is there. Um, and certainly in <laughs> rugby, you know, if if Scotland are playing, I don't know, Scotland are playing Ireland and Wales are playing England, the thing I'm most interested in is will Wales beat England? That's yes. <laughs> one one of the three parts of the UK, you know, one of the three is the three the Wales, Scotland or Ireland need to absolutely mm. hammer England for everyone else to be happy. And England's Indeed. just trying to not lose. It did. Or, you know, I mean, even if the French pitch in and beat England, that, I mean, that's enough to <laughs> that's, brighten that's the Celtic Good, good job. <laughs> um, C'est bon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Merci buckets. Um, so... I used to be a bit like that, and and so the temptation last night would have was if I could have, I probably would have bought a Danish flag and I would have worn a Danish t shirt. <laughs> to um, be contrarian. <laughs> well, yeah, but also I think think for football fans, it, it's nice to have you know a, a, a bogeyman <laughs> to go ha ha, we're beating you or whatever. Um, and I thought, well, I can, I can take that role. I don't, I don't mind that. Um, but oh, people were saying to me, "Oh, England played well." And I thought they were awful. They were just marginally less awful than the other lot. Um, <laughs> and uh, a guy that I golf with who does like football, he, he said to me, he said, did you watch the Italy-Spain game? I said, well, I watched it till till the end of full time because that went to extra time and then penalties. So it was sort of about three days long, that game. Um, and, and Mrs. Lennon woke me up to tell me the score. Thank you very much. Um, but... He said to me, he said, it was really boring. I said, yeah, I thought that. 
And yet the newspapers were telling me, oh, it was extraordinary, fantastic <laughs> skill on display, oh, wonderful, brilliant. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I think the best I don't talk about football. There's a lot but, of news that is under the misapprehension that I care about any of it, and it's it's yelling at me very loudly about all these things that A, I don't understand, and B, I don't want to know. And so there's a lot of scrolling at the minute when I go to read the news. It's like, okay, great, yep, yep. Someone won a football match, yep, they won it, yep, okay, yep, yep. COVID, <laughs> what's happening with COVID? What are the rules and restrictions? How's the country doing? Like, this is the stuff I want to read about, not necessarily who kicked the football better than who. Well, that's the other thing is, you, you know, here at the moment, our numbers are going up again and, you know, there's a lot of concern. And you turn on the TV and there's 67,000 people in Wembley sort of jumping up and down in unison and giving each other big cusses, kisses and hugs whenever somebody does anything good. I'm thinking, I, I'm, I'm not sure I can marry these two stories mm. in my mind. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not whinging. I'm, you know, they, they've made decisions about how they're going to do all this stuff and I'm yeah. sure they... You know, I'm sure they know what they're doing. That's fine, but it's just, it's just, it's a weird juxtaposition of stories in my mind. Yeah, and and I think my view of this has evolved over time. I think when I was younger, I, I've never liked football. I've never really liked many sports, but I never liked football just because I didn't get the culture. I didn't get the sort of the interest. It, it never has has interested me. I played it. You know, when you were a kid, you used to kick a football around. That's not really football. In the same sense that sure. mini golf isn't really golf. It's it's a sort of juvenile fun version of it. And I've done that and that was good good fun. But like I never I couldn't name more than two consecutive players, and most of those are from the nineties when I would have been a child. And maybe I've heard other people talking about it. And and when I was younger, especially kind of university time, we played FIFA, which is the, the video game version of it, because everybody played that and it was in halls. And it was like, okay, yeah, this is fine. I'm it's a video game. I'm not bad at those. And I don't really need to understand the rules because the game will stop me. And I don't actually have to run around for 90 minutes, so that's even better. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of just make these little people run around and then if I kick a ball in the right direction and score a point, happy days. And I think then it was always, you know, a lot of the people I knew were really into football and it's a big, big thing in England. And I almost wanted to be, instead of a contrarian figure you were talking about, it's like, well, football's rubbish and I don't like it. And, and maybe you shouldn't like it. Because it's rubbish, and and mm. <laughs> I think I look at I look at that now and go, that's quite childish. I don't need to do that, and I certainly don't feel that compulsion anymore. Because while I have z- literally zero interest in it at all, and and will not, I don't think you could pay me to watch it. I don't really care enough. Like it's, it, I, I'm glad people are enjoying it. Right? There's a bunch of people right now that are super happy that England is beating. I don't know who they're playing against in the final, but they're beating someone, and that's good. Um. And and very a lot of people are very happy and they're very, uh, you know, engaged and they're having a great time and they're posting selfies and their England kit and all that stuff. That's good, right? People are happy. Um, and yes, there's there's things happening right now in the world with COVID and various other things that we need to be aware of. But there's a lot of bad news and it's nice to have good news, even if it isn't good news for you, right? So mm-hmm. people being happy about a football team is good because they're happy. And I, I don't need to, just because I don't get it and I don't want to know about it doesn't mean that I should not want them to be happy. I think that's what I've learned recently, well, in the last couple of years, is that it, I can I cannot enjoy it personally, but be happy that other people are. Do you know what I mean? No, absolutely I do, because I've, I've been on a similar journey. I mean, one 
exactly the same with football. I, I used to be really sniffy about it. Um, and sort of, you know, just point out that, that rugby, my sport, was far superior in every way. <laughs> the fans were, were better. The game is better. The drinking culture is better. Everything's better. Um, which is true, incidentally. However, the reality is I was at a, you know, a friend's house yesterday and there were, I don't know, there were seven of us. And I'd say probably six of them, <laughs> them, were engaged and watching the football, shouting advice, um, that whole tribal <laughs> thing that, that you mentioned. Yeah. Because, um, you know, um, the other team, the England are playing Italy in the final on Sunday, um, which obviously has some relevance in my house. So Margaret is, she turned to me and said, oh, I'm so nervous about the Spain-Italy game. <laughs> and with a straight face, I responded, I had no idea you were playing. Um but it it it's real, you know those nerves that people are feeling that their team, who, you know, three weeks ago Margaret couldn't have named a single player in the Italian team, <laughs> but she's you know she's now engaged and it's great yeah. to see that and to see, shall we say, the nice side of sporting banter. I think is brilliant when people are sort of joshing each other and laughing and. Uh, it's fantastic. So there's a nastier side where it gets mm. really tribal. I don't like that very much, but hey. I enjoyed watching those guys yesterday enjoying themselves yeah. and getting engaged. And, you know, it gave me uh, a full two and a half hours where I could sit there and drink with uh, absolutely no judgment at all. So I could drink lots of beer, laugh, <laughs> play along. Um, and all I had to do was fake some interest in 22 men chasing a ball around the field. I mean, okay, well, I can manage that. Um so that was one part of it. And the other part is just general sort of, um, I suppose, fandom. Uh, I'm still passionate about rugby. I love watching rugby. But I can genuinely say with my hand on my heart, I don't care who wins. I want to see good rugby. Yeah. And if, you know, if uh, England are, you know, massacring Wales, I, fine, great, if they're playing good rugby. I really enjoy watching it. And it's the of the appreciation of the sport and the dedication and all of those things that is more important to me now rather than the whole tribal thing. That's completely gone. I don't know whether yeah. that's old age, but um, I'm, just, I'm just not interested. And so yeah. people, you know, the next day, oh, you're Scottish, oh, you lost. Yeah, okay. I'm cool, I'm relaxed about that. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and if your side, you know, whoever it is, England or whatever, you, you played really well, fantastic. And people just look at you and go, oh, well, you're no fun. That, you know, they want you to be sort of upset or... They want no, antagonism. Just, they want to have a fight about it, even if it is verbal. But yeah, I... Was I, 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 was I think I missed some Americans about this. Yeah. So um, you must have seen it. If you, if you watch a baseball game, right? Okay, the World Series, which is in itself an interesting name. But anyway, somebody hits a, a great home run, which, you know, as far as I understand baseball, somebody really smacks the thing. It goes a country mile. Everybody runs around. Wow, we scored loads of points. Great, fantastic. You look at the fans. They're laughing, they're jumping. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Then cut to a big football match. And I mean soccer for American listeners. And England or Germany score. And there's this sort of uh, anguish on the face of the fans. And it's like, come on. There's testosterone everywhere. Aggression. Yeah. It's not 
joy, it's that old tribal thing. And I'm like, oh, I'm not sure I like this. It's just, I don't understand where it comes from. Weird. Mm. I mean, I just don't get it. I think I missed the software update that gave me sports. I just, that package never downloaded. But I've watched sports before and enjoyed them. I watched hockey. I first saw hockey when I was in Canada. Um, and it's really interesting. I don't understand all the rules, but ice hockey is really fun to watch. Uh, we have a local team in Belfast. They're great to watch. I've gone to several of those games. And it's exciting and it's different because it's on ice and it's fast. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, moving and changing. And there's the there's a little bit of that kind of aggressive fightingness in that sometimes players basically take lumps out of each other. Um, but it, it's it's exciting and it's fun. And there's a little bit of that kind of like you can feel the collective tension around you of people anticipating something and then the collective joy if something good happens and the collective sorrow if something bad happens and i I, when you're in the crowd there is a certain element of like oh i can feel this and i think it's it's similar what you were talking about before but that sort of genetic imprint of fire is bad you know there's something in us maybe that whenever you're in a big group of people all cheering for something and it's something you look at and go yeah that that's good that kind of drags you along you get caught in the undertow of it Mm. and it can be quite intoxicating i think that kind of community and the collective that surrounds you but as you say it's it's when it goes nasty that's that's what i don't like uh and so much of what i experienced was like well yeah that'd be fine if you're all having a nice time but you don't seem to be having a nice time most of your celebration of this sport seems to be having a very bad time so why would i want to be a part of that i don't I didn't find this interesting before and watching you, you know, engage with it hasn't, you know, helped in me looking at it and going, that looks like fun. You know, the read stories about, I think I saw this earlier today. There was like a green laser on the Denmark goalkeeper. Was that right? Mm. Someone shone a laser on him and there was, there was booing during a national anthem. I think that's, that's horrible. It doesn't matter which side is which, like it's just bad sportsmanship. You're not appreciating the game. If it's supposed to be, about skill and your sport and your team, then you should want everyone to abide by the rules and and play the best that they can. You want a strong opponent so that your win is worthy and your win is is justified. It's not someone that you're able to just steamroll or, you know, you should want the the actual game to be exciting. And surely part of that is respecting everyone in it and enjoying the process instead of it being like, we want to kill you. You're like, that's a bit... Violent that that violence I think is what switched me off to it. Any yeah. kind of interest in it because it was just that I know that's not everyone, and I know that's certainly not what what many fans are like with it. But it, it's my perception of when I've been at things, and I'm like, this is a bit. I don't like all the the yelling and cheering, and it just feels a bit. I don't know. There's an undercurrent of of kind of anger, rather than, you know, joy and sportsmanship, as you say. Yeah, I mean, there's the I've I've several sort of experiences of this. So um, my my family are, uh, well, my dad's family hail from from Scotland, from Edinburgh. But the big sort of football rivalry in Scotland is in Glasgow, and it's um, it's Rangers Celtic, mm-hmm. two sort of giants of, of Scottish football. And the, the the dividing line is roughly, well, not roughly, it's along sectarian lines. So uh, Rangers are Protestant and Celtic are Catholic. 
Now, actually, that perception is slightly flawed. But anyway, <laughs> for, for most people's understanding, that's how it works. And that matches, there's a lot of sectarian um, sort of, there's a sectarian tone to the songs, the taunts, the, the, both sets of fans taunt each other. Uh, and that occasionally sort of spills over into, into violence and, you know, desperately unpleasant. But it does make for a very primal atmosphere in, in the stadium, which is something, something special on its own, I think. What I don't understand is that you can have that sort of incredible atmosphere at Real Madrid against Barcelona without any real threat of people killing each other. Whereas in Glasgow, it really does feel like people are trying to kill each other. Yeah. Um, but then the experience I've had of football at much sort of lower levels um, are all the good things. So I, I wrote the show notes, I, I tempted you. And, and you haven't asked me, which is very disappointing. But well, I, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. So, have you ever played football? Have you ever, say, <laughs> been a goalkeeper? <laughs> I have, TJ. I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> um, really, really straightforward. I lived in Budapest and um, used to hang out with some rugby boys, but also used to hang out with some football boys. Um, there was a there was a common sort of thread to all of our existences. And it was called Beckett's, the Irish pub. And um, a great friend of mine, a guy called John Smith, Alice from Liverpool, um, who's, well, I mean, he makes me look young. So I think he's still in Budapest, actually. But he, um, he and I used to go out for a few pints. And uh, we just similar sense of humour. He's a mad, fanatical football fan for Liverpool FC and used to play a lot. And he played for... Uh, when he lived in Prague, he did the same as me, so sometimes in Prague, sometimes in Budapest. Uh, he played for, uh, my, what are they called? IFC, International Football Club. And it was a bunch of expats, uh, ages anywhere from sort of, I suppose, 20 to 60. Um, and they, you know, used to organise football games against local teams. And they organised a tour to Italy. So northern Italy, up near... Um, sort of across the border from Monaco, that sort of mm -hmm. corner of Italy up there, top left-hand corner. Uh, and John said, you know, do you want to come? We just have a few beers, you know, somewhere you've never been before. Like, yeah, all right, why not? He knew exactly what he was doing. I had no idea what he was doing, but they didn't have a goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went by coach uh, and it was, we were a good couple of hundred miles away from home when I was presented with the goalkeeping gloves. Right. But, <laughs> what are these for? What? what, what? Uh, you're in goal. I've never played in goal. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll teach you. Mm, okay, then. <laughs> um, and they'd organised the game against uh, some very young, fit Italians. So they had several advantages. Young being one of them, fit being another, and Italian being the third. So these were sort of naturally gifted, fit young men. And our team were none of those things. <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we, were, we were enjoying the hospitality, shall we say. Uh, and so I think, we were, I think it was about 4-0 quite quickly in the game and they were awarded a penalty. And the ground, <laughs> the ground that we were playing on was sort of a bit like your garden used to be. So <laughs> quite a lot of rock 
some clay and the odd tuft of grass here and there. And so I made the decision quite early in the match that I wasn't going to be throwing myself around, which is apparently what goalkeepers do. Um, and as this guy sort of um, stepped up to take the penalty, I thought, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not picking a side and throwing myself violently towards the corner, but it's towards the goalpost in the hope that I'm going to intercept the ball. I don't care enough. Uh, so I stoically stood there. Uh, which turned out to be a fantastic double bluff because he thought I was going to dive to my right. Um, <laughs> although there was a risk I might dive to my left. So he thought, I'll just hit it straight at him. So he hit it straight at me. I caught it. And there we go. My fame spread far and wide for three, four, on, maybe even son. five seconds. Go on, my What, what, oh, what yeah, are some of the about. songs people sing when they save goals? Because I don't know any of them. Uh, uh, pass. Um, if I did know them, they, they would probably be, be, be mildly offensive to extremely offensive. Um, but I have to say, I mean, that was it was great fun. We had a lovely time. They looked after us. They fed us. They gave us lots of drinks. And um, so yeah, I saved the penalty against Italy. Or well done, tiny, tiny team. In <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing. I don't want anyone to think I'm, I'm anti-football, and I certainly don't think that it has, you know, it, it's bad in itself. I just think that, like anything. There are negative aspects and there are nasty sides that can come out when people get too involved or too excited or too uh, like drawn into the opposition of it rather than the game of it. So it's like, you're our enemy, we need to beat you. No, yes, they're your opponent in the game, but they're still human beings and you still need to be nice to them because you wouldn't do this if it was in Tesco. So why would you do it if you're in a, a sports ground? You know, that's the bit that I don't like, but I don't think that is all of football, certainly. Um, but it's nice. It's nice to see people having fun. And I guess even England needs to win something sometimes or else they wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be as sweet whenever they get destroyed by someone if they oh, kept well, it being I destroyed. Mean, yeah, I mean, for the rest of the world, it will be a delight to England to stop going on about 1966. <laughs> um, Was it 60 years? I've, I've seen the stats 66 years ago. Is that correct? Or is it? Uh, um, uh, no, it's 55 years ago. Um, that England won the World Cup, beating Germany in the final. Um, but that was the last time, it was actually the last time they got to a major tournament final. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously the last time they won one, which, you know, bearing in mind how central football is to sort of English sporting <laughs> culture, it's just, yeah, it, it's underperformance on an epic scale. And, and they've had some very good sides who've got very close. Uh, and hence songs have been written about them. Uh, you know, Football's Coming Home was for Euro 96, when you were probably three or something. Five, um, sir. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> um, so that was Frank Skinner and David Baddiel, um, who were comedians. Uh, Frank Skinner was still a DJ on, what was it? Is it Heart FM or something? I don't know. Um, Virgin, maybe? I don't know. Um, they wrote the song, uh, that you can now hear all the time. You know, football's coming home. Uh, three lines on the shirt. Uh, uh, was it Jules Guillet still gleaming? Um, yeah, it's all about the World Cup. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Euro '96 was in the was in England, and England were knocked out in the semi final. I think I could be wrong by Germany. Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, was, was alarmingly sort of regular. 
<laughs> Gary Lineker famously said, football, a game where 22 men chase a ball around the field and at the end, the Germans win. Um, <laughs> the Bundesliga, I know that. <laughs> there we go, very good. Um, and we had, oh, the company that I was working for at the time had corporate tickets um, because everybody believed that football was coming home and England were going to triumph. And so they had tickets for the final, uh, which you <laughs> didn't get to. <laughs> Uh, and there was little lowly me who was working in the Czech Republic um, where the Czech Republic did get to the final. And so one of the boss men, uh, who I still know, hi Charles, um, sort of phoned me and said, do you want to go to the match? And I went, well, well, I suppose I ought to. Yes, yeah, why not? Um, because, you know, all the English people in the company had lost interest. <laughs> so I went to see <laughs> Czech Republic versus Germany at Wembley, uh, where the Germans won, but it was close. Um, and it was just that sort of perennial underperformance from England has <laughs> has bec it become a bit of a laughing stock. But I get the impression, and this is from someone who doesn't sort of follow sports, but the the fact that your team is rubbish is kind of part of the sport, right? There's a you know there's a lot of talking about the performance of the team. Uh, you know, we did this, our side was rubbish, we had this, oh, you know, bad team this year. And there's a lot of ownership of those decisions and those performances. Yeah, but I mean, England, um, you know, the Premier League is is one of the top leagues in the world. Um, you know, the, the quality and standard of football played there is, is extremely high. It's, the, the money is just literally falling out of the place. I mean, billions of it. Um, England have had some of the most talented footballers of a generation. Um, don't get me wrong, I mean, some fantastically talented footballers from lots of places. But England have just had this sort of monkey on their back around major major tournaments. Mm. And that's gone now. Even if they lose on Sunday, they've, you know, they've made it to the final. They're going to be playing Italy, who are unbeaten in three years. It was three years since everybody beat Italy. Um, so, you know... It, Win, lose, or draw doesn't really matter. They got to the final. That's kind of where England expects to be, is to be in the top four. And it hasn't been there. So what what I love is the lift it gives the country. You know, mm -hmm. even though I don't like football, you you can actually feel it. Certainly if you're in the UK, you can feel it. Um, so, you know, there, there are people posting things on my sort of jobby job teams, <laughs> chats of... Vindaloo, Vindaloo. Oh, honestly, um, it, it's not the most culturally enriching of stuff, but people are genuinely pleased and happy and yeah. bouncing to work. There's a big petition for Monday to be made a bank holiday. Um, I mean, it is a, here. A, a, it's got a couple of hundred thousand signatures already um, because, you know, assuming that it goes on to extra time and penalties, which is almost inevitable in the final, then I think it's probably, well, it's going to be, it's going to be about half past 10 at night before there's a result. Um, and then there's the obligatory sort of, you know, dancing up and down and drinking your own body weight and beer to do. So I, I love all that sort of positivity that it brings. Yeah. And and in my house, it's a complete no-lose deal. Um, Margaret, from an Italian family, fiercely Italian, born and bred in the UK, uh, in England. So whoever wins, she's going to be delighted. That's good. That's the way it should be. You should just enjoy the game, right? It should be 
about a good performance. And this is from, I, I could say this easily because I absolutely have no alliances or allegiances to any team. I genuinely don't care. But it's nice, as you say, to see people having something to be happy about and excited about. And, you know, a lot has happened in the last 18 months. And it's nice for big things like this that come along and give people something to talk about positively uh, instead of just all the rubbish things that are happening. It's nice to have something that's good news for a change. Indeed. And and now, obviously, we can do, through the magic of podcasting, um, just bear with me here. Uh, you do the edit. Well, TJ, it was brilliant to see Italy triumph. Well, TJ, wasn't it fantastic to see England win? Well, TJ, I didn't think it would go to penalties, but oh, I'm glad it did. The drama. Well, TJ, nobody thought it would be over that quickly. There we go. <laughs> One of those statements will be perfect. So when is, the, when is the episode? Or when is the, the match even? It's the, the final of the yeah. European Championship. 2020. Yes, I know it's 2021, but it's the European Championship 2020. Is on Sunday. Right, so you think I'm leaving this edit till Sunday? Not a hope. That's staying in verbatim. You can, listeners, just I'll give. Maybe you can just like close your ears until he gets to the one that is appropriate, and then that's it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to delete this whole file now, and <laughs> we're just going to have to start again. Yeah, when you said all of them, so one of them is right. It's just parallel exactly. universes, and we're having we're having pizza and pims at my house. See, I think that's a marvelous idea. I'm behind the catering aspect of this event. <laughs> Exactly. I think the highlight of the day will will be, I mean, if anything, if yesterday was anything to go by, we had a lovely sort of sit down and laugh mm. and eat. And then the whole evening got a little bit slower as we sat in front of the television and watched 22 men chasing a ball around the field. But hey, what can you do? Pizza and pims. Perfect. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Well, I've been Stu Lennon. And I've been TJ Cosgrove. A little bit of a shorter episode, but uh, it's football. What do you want from me? It's the best we could do. <laughs> Remember to make the past, the present, in the future. This was 1857. And football's coming home. To Rome. Or, or, Rome. or England. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs>